Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. Amen. Good morning, everyone. So, just before coming up, I realized I don't, haven't really physically prepared my body to preach very well. Normally around this time, if you sit around me, you'll know I eat an apple. So I kind of gobbled down half an apple, so hopefully I haven't done struggle with anything. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So this morning's preach was, um, was kind of sparked off a couple of, I think it was about two months ago, someone spoke, I can't remember who was preaching, and someone preached and made this comment, we should fight more for each other than we do with each other. And I was thinking about that, and I've been thinking about it since that comment was made, and the 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 thoughts going through my mind is what are those if I gave to that this morning a, a bit of a, a title would be tipping the scales what are those scales that we tip where we should be doing one thing more than the other and so I, I did some I've got, I got some obviously some scripture and stuff and we will go through that now but I want to do a bit of a demonstration first I'm not going to tie anyone up then right um, well it's tempting but um, so I've asked um, Anthony and Sonia to come give me a hand. So this is something that I'm sure everyone has seen happen at some point in time. And I want you to keep this picture. So I need to find the middle of this. I want you to keep this picture in your head as we go through today. Because I'm going to refer back to it. So that's the middle of the rope. I'm going to go to the one side. I'm going to go to the other side. So you might want to take a step just this way. We're going to do a tug of war. Okay? Any, any guesses on who's going to win this? <laughs> okay, so, so who's, here, who's on Sonia's side? Who, can you do that? And, and Anthony? So, so judging by the pitch, it sounds like most of the guys are for, for Anthony, most of the girls are for Sonia. But anyway, okay, so I want to actually do this. So um, normally you have another marker here. So I'll give it a, basically we want the meter either side. And then when I say go, pull as hard as you can. Don't hurt your wife. Um, <laughs> and just let's see who gets about a meter closer to me first. So one, two, three, go. <laughs> okay, so, so tug of war. Cool. Thank you, guys. So that's the tug of war. Keep that picture in your mind. We're going to come back to that just now. So... If you want to turn to Galatians chapter 5, I'm going to have two main pieces of scripture that I'm going to read from today, this being the first. Galatians 5 verses 16 to 18. And as soon as I read this, you'll probably have an inkling of what I'm getting to. So it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 verses 16 to 18. But I say, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the, of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. But these two are opposed to each other, and keep, from, keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And if you, if you read that, and you, that when I read that, I'm reminded very quickly of a scripture from that Paul writes to the Romans, where he says, and it's a bit confusing if you read it in some of the earlier translations or the, the more traditional translations, it says, he says, that what I want to do, 
I don't do. And the things that I do want to do, those I don't do. And he's talking about this battle between the spirit and the flesh. That's in Romans 7, if you're writing down notes. And he's speaking about this battle between the spirit and the flesh. And as I speak this morning around tipping the scales, around what it is that we should be doing more than the others, I want you to keep that in mind. And the one thing I just, as I was reading this, I, 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 that really stuck out to me, it says here, verse 18, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. We love to quote the fact that we're under grace. You know what? Paul adds a wonderful extra dynamic to that. If we are led by the Spirit, we are not under the law. And it's a very important thing to remember when we're quoting that. So, so, but yes, yeah, so we're going to talk a bit today a bit about this battle between the flesh and the Spirit. And the second major, major scripture that I'm going to read through is from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 13. So um, because I know that's the main scripture, I actually put a marker in my Bible. So I'll give you a moment to get there. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through to 13. And it says, and as I read this, I'm gonna, we're gonna, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to take four points out of here that are things we should be doing over and about, or, or that comparison, that tipping the scales, what we should be doing more than the other. So Romans 12, verse 9, let love be genuine. I keep pronouncing this word wrong, so I'm going to, the other ones say, hate what is evil. I'm not even going to give it a go because I keep getting it wrong. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. And outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. And seek to show hospitality. What a wonderful scripture, huh? And I, I've really enjoyed, as I've gone through this last little while, kind of, actually I'll keep my Bible because I'm going to be flipping through quite a bit. I really enjoy just some of the, the points that I'm in here. And I, I encourage you, go read it again, study it, take some time to meditate on what God's saying. But the first point that I want to, want to speak about today is from verse 9, which says, Let, lo- uh, let love be genuine. So the, the tipping of the scale, if we, if we go back to that, is, or, yeah, the tipping of the scale is love more than you're loved. Love more than you're loved. And we see this example all through Scripture, especially with Jesus. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Love, he loved us more than his desire to be loved. Yes, he wanted, to, he wanted us to love him in return, and yes, that was part of it, but actually, you know what? He loved us enough to come and die irrelevant of if we would choose him or not. He still chose. He loved us more than, he, than actually he needed to be loved. And if you read in Matthew 22, verses 34 to 30, it speaks, some of the, the Pharisees and Sadducees come to Jesus and say to him, so, so what is the greatest commandment? And his response is twofold, and it's pretty simple. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. So love, pe- love God and love people. That's, that's really what he says. And he says there that all the prophets and the law hinge on these two things. The entire Old Testament that we read hangs on those two commandments. Love God and love people. He makes his, he makes his desire quite clear. Love more than we should be looking to be loved. You see, that's, that's that, scale, that scale that tips. That's that tug of war that happens. The flesh on the one side... So I can't stand on one of the sides and the hey, 
Actually, I'm going to, anyway, after, so Anthony, I'm not saying anything bad, don't worry, not, not, nothing about you, but the flesh on the one side says, I want to be loved. My desire is to be loved above everything else. That is what the flesh fights for. The spirit, when we tap into what God's saying, the spirit says, you know what? I'm willing to sacrifice my need to be able to show love to others. There's that ha- that's happening. That's what happens with us every single day. When my child wakes up in the morning and he starts to irritate me, because he does, you know what? Which one am I choosing? Am I choosing the flesh where I'm saying, Sheesh, actually, I can't deal with this now, I'm not interested, or am I choosing the spirit where I'm saying, show love to him, irrelevant of how he's, what his response is to me, irrelevant of how he is with me at that time. One of the best scriptures in this, and prayer meeting was very much about love this morning. If you were in prayer meeting, it really came through about the fact that God loves us and he wants to love us. John, 1 John 4, verses 6, uh, the, the whole section is 1 John 4, verses 7 through to 21. I'm not going to read it because it's a fairly lengthy piece. But again, if you've got time, go and read it. There's two scriptures, twice in there, it says that God is love. Verse 4, and uh, 1 John 4, verse 8 and verse 16, both say God is love. And then verse 19 says that we can love because God loved us first. And that's the flip side of this whole thing. Yes, on earth we should desire to show love more than we actually get love. But you know what? We can only do that because we are loved fully already. Because God loved us first. 1 John 3 verse 16. Sorry, not 1 John. John 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world. And that is a wonderful thing to rest on. When we're sitting and we're feeling broken. Oh, no one loves me. You know what? You know what? God loved us first. 1 John 4 verse 19. That's the first point. Love more than you are loved. The second one, and I know Johan, we've spoken quite a lot about honor. And if you go read verses 10, it puts, the, the scripture puts it very nicely. It says they outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. I actually prefer the New King James. Sorry, Johan which I have written down in my thing. It says, in honor, preferring one another. What a beautiful, that, that is for me, it's just like, in honor, we should prefer one another. Again, we see Jesus doing this in the Garden of Gethsemane. What was his response? I'm going to the cross. I'm, I don't, he's on, in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating blood. Jesus, Jesus is saying, God, I do not want this. I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to be beaten. I don't want to be nailed to the cross. He's saying that. But what does he say? Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. He was willing to honor the Father more than he would be honored, more than looking for his own honor. We live more than looking for his own honor. We live in a world where everyone is about me, build my kingdom, what's good for me, Go to a corporate spend. I've only just moved into a real corporate position in the last little while. I was an educator before that and then ran my own business. I've been in corporate for eight months. This thing I picked up on day three or four. It's about me, my kingdom, me building my own empire. I want, I want as much around me. That's what the world looks at. It's not about giving the honor. It's not about saying, hey, you know what? That was your idea. Great. You, you take the honor. You take the accolation for that because you did well. The world doesn't see that. But we look at what Jesus expects. What does he say when, again, questions, I can't remember if it was Sadducees or, or Pharisees in John 8. Actually, let's read it. John 8, verses 48 to 50. 
John 8, verses 48 to 50. He says, and, and the Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? And Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. And then the first part of verse 50 says, Yet I do not seek my own glory. What an example for us. Honor more than we, get, than we seek to be honored. This, again, coming back to this, the tug of war, the spirit says what? On the spirit side, it says, you know what? I don't need the credit because I'm loved by my father. I'm comfortable in that and I'm secure in that. So I'm happy if, if on earth I don't get much accolades. That's what the spirit says. The flesh says, I want the honor. I want people to know it was me. I want people to know how good I am, how great I am. And trust me, we all fall into this. Every one of us. I know that because I'm seeing it myself regularly and I have to fight for this. Not to be the case. Honor. Do we love others? Sorry, do we, do we show honor more than we actually look to get it? And again, in, in preparing this sermon, I, I thought about five areas where we should be working to show honor. First one is husbands and wives. How do we show honor between our husbands and wives? The Bible speaks regularly about mutual submission. In Ephesians it says, submit to one another out of, mutual, out of reverence for Christ. In marriages, are we doing that? Because we read the scriptures where we say, or, or it's not even scriptures, we see, we see the world system where it says, oh, the husband's, even scripture, the husband's the head of the wife. Well, actually the Bible, the, the one major commandment I see in the Bible is husbands love your wives. Yes, part of that is leading. Part of that is being the head. But it's a part. Don't stress out. Just keep with us. Thank you. Yeah. That's the one. The second one is to our children. Do we show honor to our children? Do we show honor that in, in the way we deal with them, in the way we bring them up? Because us show, me showing my son honor and my daughter honor teaches them to show honor to others. They will learn from me in this. To our parents. Do we show honor to our parents? The Bible says, honor your mother and father. It is the first commandment with a promise that you may live long in the land. Next one is at work. Do we honor in the work context? Not just our, not just our, our, our line managers and our bosses, but what about those who work under us? If we or in some sort of leadership at work. What about our colleagues? Do we look to show honor more than we get it? And then this family, the church family, the same thing. Are we working to show honor to each other in this place? You know what? Us living out this, of showing honor to each other, is what speaks to the world. Us living out, the, coming back to the first point of love, us showing love to each other here and outside is what tells the world that we're different. So it tells the world that actually as people, we love you not because of what you're going to do for us. We honor you not because of what you're going to do for us, but because it's what Jesus did for us. Point number three. Serve more than you are served. Verse 11 says, serve the Lord. And then in John 13 verses 1 to 20, it's the story of Jesus going to wash his, wash his disciples' feet. It's a, one, it's a picture of service. He goes at the Last Supper, takes off 
uh, he puts a towel around his waist, goes down and individually washes each of his feet, each of the disciples' feet. You know that Judas was one of those? He washed Judas' feet, who not long after that then betrayed him. Think about that in terms of serving others. How's that for a challenge? I want to read this. Ephesians. No, I'm jumping to the next. Sorry, I'm uh, jumping to the wrong one. So uh, Luke 22, verses 24 to 27. God says again that. Uh, actually, let's read that one. Yeah, we will read that one. Luke 22, verse 24 to 27. A dispute arose among them as to which of them was, the, was regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become the youngest and the leader as one who serves. Service, a lot, a lot of times the word service in Scripture is used... Um, it can be used as service or worship. They, they're very similar. It's the same root word for a lot of the times. Not every time, but a lot of the times, the same root word is used. Service and worship. So when it's about, obviously in this context, service, serving others, and before Jesus, we must understand that every act of worship is an act of service. Every act of service is an act of worship. The guy standing at the front door greeting us as we come in, making us feel welcome, that is an act of service. It's an act of worship to God as well. The guy's making us coffee. Same thing. So that's our service towards God. We, we as a home group, we tatted through this. And actually, what does worship mean? One of the ways we worship is by serving. Again, as I was preparing this, and this is a bit of a hard one, I was thinking about Abraham and Isaac. Abraham, in essence, had one child. He, he didn't really view Ishmael much of a child at the time. And he had Isaac, his firstborn. He knew that this was the child of promise. What did God ask him to do? Go and sacrifice him. And I was thinking about that, and I thought about our lives today. The thing that we have least of is often where God asks for sacrifice. If you have loads of time, the reality is God's probably not going to ask you. He's not saying don't give me your time, but he's not going to ask for a sacrifice in that because you have enough of it. If financially you're, you're, you're strapped, if things are difficult, that's often where God asks for sacrifice. Why? So he can show himself faithful. So he can actually lavish that back on us. Same thing with time. If you, if you don't have time and God says, give me your time, he will lavish that back on you. That's why he asks in those areas. That's the one side. And think about his response to Abraham. I now know that you love me about everything else. That's not easy. If we're honest, that's not easy. So again, looking at that example of, the, of flesh versus spirit. Flesh says, actually, people must serve me. I've done X, Y, and Z, therefore I deserve to be served. What does the spirit say? No. Where, it asks a fairly simple question. Where can I serve someone? 
Where can I go and show someone else that Jesus loves them by the service I do for them in the name of Jesus? The fourth point. Give more than you take. Verse 13 says, contribute to the needs of the saints and show hospitality. We've read John, or we spoke about John 3.16 already. Turn to Ephesians 5 verses 1 to 2. says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. When I say give, I'm not talking financially. Again, that is an aspect Give where God asks. What is God asking you to give, given that aspect? And then again, in Ephesians 5, later on, it speaks about just reiterating that same thing. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That's the model that Christ set for us. So we see the example in Christ, and we see the outworking, we see the teaching of it a bit later on. It's the model that he gave. So again, coming to that same, I'm mean, going to keep referring back to this because I, I, it's so important for me. That example of flesh, I want, to be get, I want to take. I want to get everything I can. Spirit, no. How can I give? What can I give? Where can I give? What does it need to be? What does it need to look like? Let's tie that back up to, to honor. What, how can I give without me getting the honor? How can I give without them knowing that it was me? Why? Because it's coming from God originally anyway. Those are my four points. And I want to now quickly look practically, well, how do we do this? What are the ways that we can actually do this? Now, some of this will be, you'll see, is a bit of an overlap. But before I do it, I asked Anthony and Sonia to come up, and I, and I chose them on purpose. Because that's what we often do. And I speak, and I say we, including me. We have, now in this context, I'm going to use... If Anthony was our, was our, spirit, uh, our flesh and Sonia was our spirit, that's what we'd expect. That's what we do. You see, we send our spirit to war with our flesh, having had no grounding, having ho- had no food, having had nothing we've given it to, to actually be able to stand and fight for that. We spend all our time, we, we watch the wrong things on TV, we listen to the wrong music, we listen uh, all these things that we do that might not be bad, but are not really good for us. And what do we do? We, we bulk up. The flesh that ends up looking like Anthony. And then we say to our spirits, spirits, you've had no time. You've had nothing really. I've given you anything. But, but please go fight against that. Who's going to win? But you know what? There is, there is a flip side of this. Is that again, if we're willing to, even in this place where our spirit, we've had a, a monster of a week, a week and our spirit is feeling just destroyed. You know what? We have God. And if we choose to rest on him, if we choose to then put our faith in him, suddenly, it doesn't matter what the flesh has or doesn't have, it's like Anthony going up against a car. It's a bit of a no-brainer. 
That's what happens. And so how do we do this practically? The first one, verse 9, says, let love be genuine. The first thing is we love genuinely. That word genuine, I looked it up in the, in the, in the dictionary, and it means authentic or sincere. Picture this. You go to a shop. You buy this really, I'm doing time. You, you buy, buy this really nice new, new shirt. It's got that wonderful Nike label on it. Fantastic. I've just bought an authentic Nike t-shirt. I take it. I wear it day one. I wash it. Take it out the wash. It's now suddenly three sizes smaller. The hem's unraveled. It starts to look a bit tatty after wear number four. Is that a genuine Nike top? Probably not. You see, that's when we, when we love people and it's not genuine. That's what it feels like to people. When we serve people and the heart behind it is not genuine, that's what it feels like. Suddenly you have this thing that just doesn't, there's no reality. Imagine if Jesus said to you, I love you, I will give myself for you, as they take him to the cross, he says, no, enough, I'm off, I'm out. That's what it's like. Do we love genuinely? Do we love the way that Christ loved us? The second one, says, hate what is evil, from verse 9 as well, hate what is evil and hold to what is good. And I want to, again, how do we do this practically? We cling to what is good. That word hold is actually the same word used when Jesus was asked about divorce. And he said, therefore, a husband and wife, a husband will leave his mother and father and will cleave, will be glued together, will join with his wife. The thing of gluing together, that's what it's saying. Hold on to what is good. Be glued to what is good. Cling to it. Hate evil, flee from evil, but we cling, we hold on for dear life to what is good. Because what is good is things like love, the, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those things are what we should be clinging to, because that's what the world is missing. That's what the world lacks. The third thing, rejoice in hope. And hope is, the, the original text, hope is the word anticipate, expect, or confidence. Rejoice in hope. Rejoice in expectation of what lies ahead. Yes, I don't see it now. Yes, sometimes we, we, there's a rough time at work. I don't see what, what the future brings. I don't see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. But we know that God has plans for us. But the word tells us that in Jeremiah. And I, I, with, I rejoice in expectation of what's coming. I rejoice in hope. The next one is be patient in tribulation. And one of my favorite words in the English language is the word fortitude. And the, the English def definition for that word, and actually the original word patient, if you go look in the original text, one of the, def one of the ways it explains it is with that word fortitude, and that's why I'm using it. The word fortitude means courage in bearing pain or trouble. Be patient in tribulation. Stand strong. The word says there, the word says in Ephesians that having done all to stand, stand. Putting on the whole armor of God. So it gives us wonderful handles. How do we stand? How do we, in, in face of tribulation, in face of difficult times, how do we stand? Put on the whole armor of God. And then we will be able to stand. 
And the last one, be constant in prayer. Or be earnest towards, be constantly diligent in prayer. I've said it before. I'm not sure if I've said it from this platform. For me, if I'm honest with you, prayer is one of the hardest things for me. Because to sit down and focus for that length of time is very difficult. I love reading. I love studying the Bible. I would rather read the Bible than any other book. I read almost very, I read very few other books. Prayer, for me to sit and focus for, for hours on end praying is not easy. I have to look at what Paul says where he says, pray continually because that's the only way I can do it. I might be able to give five minutes here, ten minutes a bit later on because I don't have a long enough attention span or whatever it be. It might be that. I don't know. Um, hey, i got to laugh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the reality is, are we consistent and earnest in the way that we pray? It doesn't mean we have to pray with the, for 24 hours nonstop. That's not what he says. But do we seek the moments where we can pray? And what are we praying for? God, there's a tough time at work. Would you strengthen me? Again, using a work example. In this tough time at work, I have a a senior manager who seems to have it out for me. God, would you change his heart? Would he meet you? Would he come to find you? God, my kids, there seems to be things going on. Would you protect them? Those are the things we should be praying for. Consistently. So in closing, those five points. Love genuinely, hate what is evil, or hold to what is good rather. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be consistent in prayer. This morning, as I'm closing, if God's spoken to you about one of those things, I'm not going to ask you to stand, but just sit and say, God, where I am not living up to your expectations, would you come and deal with me? Would you change my heart? Would you grow me? Why, do we, why am I preaching about this? Why am I speaking about this? Because we should be in the image of Christ. I, that's our goal. Let's make him known. Let's know him. And let's be like him. That's what we should be. And trust me, I go through this and, and Paul writes to one of the, I think it's, I can't remember which church, and he says, not that I have already attained all this, but I press on towards the goal for which Christ has called me heavenwards. And I preach this this morning, standing here saying, not that I, I have already attained all this. Trust me. If you're not sure, ask my wife, ask my kids. But we press on for what Christ has called us heavenwards.